0: As she was singing that, I turned to John chapter 10, and it says in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, he will hold us. That's the promise. Thank you, Jill, for, for that song. He will hold us in his hands. And I appreciate that challenge this morning. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4 today. If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 1036. Uh, the Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. I live in a world that that is no longer really my world I I live in a world where every lot of things are done on computer and and cell phone and and uh, things that I I don't understand and often when I run into a problem something will come up on one of the screens, that will say, sorry, you are disconnected. Now, what does that mean? Sorry. And who is sorry about me being disconnected, first of all? I doubt if they're sorry. Otherwise, they would have done something about it. So I wasn't disconnected, and I could still read my emails or whatever it is. Uh, So I I live in an age where, where I don't fit so well. And so I'm forever saying, Cindy, I, I, I just I'm got disconnected. I got disconnected. I, I can't do what I want to do. Well, what does God say about being disconnected or remaining connected? You know, sometimes that we have Roku or Roku or whatever that's called on T V and and it will say, you know, sorry, I'm disconnected. It seems like everything wants to disconnect. From Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe it happens to you where you get disconnected. But I know it happened to the Apostle Paul. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. The, uh, when God was creating, when Christ was creating the world and everything, it says, and it was good. And it was good. And at the end, it was very good. Chapter 1. You know, it was very good. Then we get to chapter 2, what's the first thing that God says isn't good? It is not good that man should be alone. He had created Adam, and it was not good that he should be alone. You know, that that's what it, the way it is now. Of course, that brings the, the Adam, Adam, or God took a, a rib from Eve's, or Adam's side, and created Eve for him. And, and then I always think of the old story. The two kids learned that in Sunday school, and, and the two boys are running home, and, and one of them says, Hey, just a minute. I've got to stop. I think I'm having a wife. You know? That has nothing to do with the message, but it is not good that man should be alone. God uh, designed marriage between One man and one woman, and Satan has distorted that to mean whatever you want it to mean today. But that didn't change God's plan, nor what is right in God's eyes. God designed companionship, and Satan again has distorted companionship. And we find that there are more people alone Today than ever before, we have some wonderful devices that keep can keep us in touch with one another, and yet with all of the devices that we have out there, people are still alone in more numbers. Even though you might have a thousand followers. And there again, I'm not sure what that means, but I've heard the kids talk about that. Uh, you, you can still be isolated, alone. And the fear is the new generation, the younger generation, becomes more alone all the time because they're so busy on their devices that they don't get out and play onto the playground. They don't get out and see and have companionship face to face. It is not good that man should be alone. David the psalmist understood this. He knew what loneliness was, and we read that verse last Sunday in Psalm 142, uh, verse 4, I look on my right hand and see for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me, no one cares for my soul. And more and more, individuals feel that nobody cares about them anymore. Maybe that's the way you feel. Nobody cares. Who cares? I'm on my own. I'm in this world all by myself. Now, uh, David, uh, finishing that psalm, realized that somebody did care. Now, it was God. Now, we need uh, active living Intimate relationships in order to live the life that God has designed for us. But it takes work. It doesn't just happen. Paul lived in a very, he lived a very disconnected life. Partly because he was a missionary. I mean, he traveled around starting churches. And so he was never in one place for a long time. He didn't settle down in Tarsus where he was from. Now, he went back there after he was saved, but then he was called to start churches. And so the rest of his life, he was traveling around pretty hard to stay connected, but he had to work at it, and he did. In the book of Romans, he mentions 35 friends by name. Can you think of 35 friends? you probably have to mention those that have unfriended you or you unfriended, you know, maybe, to come up with 35 names, maybe not. But you know that you have to work at friendship. It doesn't just happen here. And so uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, in this chapter there are 17 people uh, he mentions by... Name. Now, unfortunately, they're not meant their names are not Mark and, and John and, and Joe and, and, and Pete and Sam. They're names that are difficult to pronounce, but uh, we're going to look at some of these this morning. I want to read verses six through nine, but we're going to look at the other verses that, that follow uh, as we go through this. Second uh, Timothy four, verse six. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Why? He needed companionship. He needed a friend. Why? Because Satan will do all he can to disconnect us, as he did to the Apostle Paul. So how did he try to disconnect Paul? And that's what we're going to see here. He uses three things in this passage. Isolation, then uh, desertion, and then opposition. For all of the one who's right taking notes on this, you've got those three points already. Isolation. Look at verse 6. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. What does that mean? He says, I'm about to die. I am alone, but I have fought a good fight. Paul was a missionary before he had all the connections that we have today. So a missionary before email and FaceTime, and, which we use all the time with Seth and Crystal. Well, and for others, all of our kids, you know, we, they can live a mile away, and we FaceTime them. Uh, just because we can't be there when they're doing something funny, and, and they're always doing something funny, and so we can't stay there. Uh, so uh, before FaceTime or telephones or text messages or computers or telegraph or Pony Express or overnight delivery or UPS or carrier pigeons or delivery drones or teletransport, you know, Paul was a missionary before all of these things. His, uh, his connections were sporadic. He... Uh, he had over month delivery with his letters that he sent to churches, certainly not overnight it, that this kind of is freaks me out a little bit, in that uh, as Cindy mentions, you need to uh, you need to buy your own goo packets that's the little energy things you use when you run. you need to buy your own. you're always mooching off and eight and and so uh. Or anybody else for us sometimes, or Mike, uh, they'll bring me stuff, salt tablets, things like that. And I'm mooching off of them, and Cindy says, "You need to have your own, and then you share with them. Uh, yeah, Don't count on that, Nate. Uh, <laughs> so she, oh OK, you know, sometime I'll get in, I'll buy some. And she's typing on the computer, and the doorbell rings, and here's our Mike packs not quite that soon but the next day here they show up on our doorstep you know who's watching who's, who's listening kind of a creepy but Paul's ministry wasn't there he is he's ready to die that's what it means I am now ready to be offered or poured out like a drink offering to God he is going to be beheaded that's eventually how he dies and just shortly after this time uh, now he was in prison be- earlier, but he was under house arrest. So he had a room, and he had a place to write, and, and so he could write while he was arrested, and he wrote uh, four letters, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and two churches. These are the church at Ephesus, uh, Philippi, and Colossae, and then also a letter to a friend named Philemon, and it's also included in the Bible. He was released now as he writes 2 timothy he is not in that kind of a prison it's much more serious he was kept in one of rome's harshest prisons the Marentine prison and uh, he knows the end is close and what does he want as he is closing out his life if we were to visit the maritime prison Today and they're in Rome, what would we see? We would see a hole in the ground with a, a, like a manhole cover over the top. And underneath that hole is a dungeon. They would lower the prisoners down there, um, and there was really no hope for escape out of there. Lower them down on ropes. It was, they would scoot the manhole cover back over the top. It was dark, it was damp, it was filled with lots of rodents and spiders and anything creepy that you can think of that was down there. That's where he he is at when he is able then to write this letter to Timothy. So no food or very little food, no sanitation, a, a terrible place to be. The Isolation was not Paul's choice, but he was isolated. And that, when we isolate ourselves, we become lonely. But it's not always our choice. Some of you have experienced isolation through no fault of your own. Maybe a a husband walks out of your life, and you're alone. Maybe a, a parent is called into active duty. And they have to go across the seas, and, and you're there. Or maybe your spouse gets dementia, and it's just kind of like you're all on your own, alone, isolated. Or a loved one dies. And normally it's the husband that dies, and the wife is left alone, alone. That's why it, it encourages me when, when I see Dor- Dorothy's family here to, to be with mom. Because we all need to surround ourselves with friends, companions. And so it takes take a serious toll on us if we remain isolated all by ourselves. So there's isolation where we reach the point where we say, no man cares for my soul. Nobody cares. Whether I'm alive or dead, nobody cares at all. Isolation. The second thing that Satan uses is desertion. Desertion made Paul lonely. If we went back to, just turn to back a couple pages to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia have turned away from me. They have deserted me. Uh, Desertion makes us lonely. Uh, It it works against us. Now, in chapter 4, there are uh, 17 people that are mentioned, that Paul mentions. Some of them were there to encourage him, but most of them were not there to encourage him in fact he says Luke is the only one here some of them had to leave for other reasons it says in chapter 10 of of chapter 4 Demas hath forsaken me deserted me having loved this present world now Demas was a good friend of Paul's has ministered with Paul for a long time and yet, he has deserted me. Well, we don't know for sure what this desertion was like. It might have been that Demas said, I don't want to go to prison. I'm getting out of Rome. I don't want to join you, Paul, in that, in that cell or in that pit. I'm getting out of Dodge, so, so I'm sorry. Demas also hath forsaken me, maybe because he loved his own life. He, he just didn't want to die. But desertion makes us lonely. Uh, verse 16, he says, At my first answer, no man stood with me. Uh, no man stood with me. I went before uh, Caesar, and no man stood with me. Do you feel like that sometimes? No man, nobody's there for me here. They have deserted me. Um, I, I hope you don't feel deserted. But in just a minute, we'll see how Paul overcame this feeling. And uh, at the end of verse 16, you know, Nobody stood with me. All men men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Pray for them. Uh, Not not that God would judge them, saying, God, don't hold this to their charge. They deserted me, but they have their reasons. And so if you feel deserted... Don't become bitter, because if you do, it will destroy you. Pray good for them, as Paul did in this case. So isolation, desertion, opposition, verses 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words, he is opposed by Alexander the coppership, uh, Smith. I don't know. He might have been one that uh, went to the police and said, hey, Paul is doing something illegal. You need to arrest him. And maybe he, the reason he's in, in, in prison is because of this man, but he is opposed by him. He, Paul says, he did me much harm. Um, and we have people that would like to, do, uh, to harm Christians. I mean, it started, well, it started a long time ago, but I'm, I'm thinking in my mind because uh, Cindy's dad's name is Jack Phillips, then when we heard about a Jack Phillips in Colorado that had a cake shop and he, he wouldn't bake a cake to honor uh, a lifestyle that is contrary to God's word, that, uh, and he gave them other, other places just down the road. Well, that wasn't the real reason for it. They wanted to sue him and put him out of business. And, and uh, they, they did for a while. Now they're attacking him again. Uh, they're setting him up. But that, that happens because they want to do us much harm. They want to do believers much harm. The T-shirt business struggles with this. If you don't print what they want printed on there, then, uh, then they want to sue you or they want to put you out of business the photography business is the same way. Wedding pictures and and uh, and gay couples asking evangelical preachers to marry them and and that's that's not a, a wedding and that's not God's design and so we have people that want to do us much harm and so beware of them, it says there, you know. Be beware of them. We need to uh, be cautious. Opposition can make us feel isolated and discouraged. And that's the way Paul felt at this time. So what does Paul say uh, to use to battle loneliness? So if you fit in any of these uh, cases, then pay attention. Because he gives us four things. He says companionship, essential. Compassion is essential. Courage is essential. Christ is is essential, those four things. If we're going to come through a, a period of loneliness, a, a isolation, a opposition, uh, we need to use these just like Paul did. We need companionship. Look at verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. I need you. I'm, I'm feeling discouraged. Have you ever told your spouse that? You, if you're a guy, you probably haven't. Maybe you have. But even when you feel lonely and you feel discouraged, you're not going to tell anybody you feel lonely or discouraged because you're a man. You know, we don't do that. And if you're a woman, then you go ahead and do that. But if, if you're a man, no, you don't, you don't share. Paul did. Please come. I need some companionship, I need somebody to talk to. Here uh, it says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. Verse 11, get Mark and bring him with you. I, I, not, don't come alone. Let's, we need a, an accountability group here. I need somebody that I can share with. And we all do. Paul did. Do your up Verse 21 says, do thy diligence or your utmost to come before winter. I'll come before winter because I need a cloak. I'm not getting sleep and because uh, w- I'm so cold, and because I don't get any sleep, my emotions are a mess. And that's true with us. We don't get sleep. If we're cold all the time, uh, then uh, we, uh, our emotions will take over. That's when we need companionship. Companionship is a must. Now, God didn't create anybody to be a lone ranger, although many try to be. Lone Rangers, we need a relationship with God, first of all. And let me explain that. We need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, Because of man's sin, we have been alienated and at war with the Holy God. So that means that if something doesn't change, when we die, we are cast into hell. Because we cannot go and associate with a holy, pure God. Well, fortunately, in God's plan, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. And he died and he paid the price for my sin. And because I am trusting in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross, uh, I now have his righteousness and he took my sin. And so I can call him Abba Father, And I can come boldly into his presence in prayer now and in the future uh, after I leave this earth into his presence as a child of God. And so that's what I need to, to deal with loneliness with God. I need companionship with God, a relationship with him. And we can have it, and you can too. And people carry around a load of sin and loneliness and then feel deserted because they don't have a father they can go to and share their their feelings with. So we need a relationship with God, but we need a relationship with other believers. That's what Paul is saying here. Bring these people with me. You need to come. I need some help. I need some encouragement. That's one reason why we have small groups. This is not a small group. Because you can come in here, sit down, and leave without ever greeting anybody, without smiling, or maybe you might be able to get out without even getting a smile. And so we need small groups. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, bring Mark with you. We're going to have a small group here. Uh, I, I need this. We have small groups on Sunday morning. And when they get large, then they need to be divided. And if people say, I don't want to do are all my friends are here. Well, you really, you cannot benefit from God's word as much in a large group as you can in a small group, where you hash it out, and where you discuss it. Um, and so we have smaller, and where you pray together. You, we have small groups. I, I see the running group that we have on Saturday mornings is a small group and I think I would be very discouraged if I didn't have a a group of people running and discussing things and and asking questions and praying together and and it's uh, several months ago we had a young man by the name of Ethan and he ran with us and and when you run with each other you bump shoulders all the time that's all just part of it uh, i i try to let people know they'll bump me and they'll say oh excuse me no no that's part of the experience you, just, you run and you bump each other and you become part of this group and you pray for each other and and ethan was in teen challenge and, and mike always brought him uh, so that he could run with us on weekends and then a couple months ago probably two months ago uh, maybe three. He he left Teen he completed Teen Challenge and went down to the school they have in Minneapolis. And we kinda lo- lost lost touch with him because he was down there and we're up here. And then yesterday uh Mike mentioned that Ethan died. Uh, what you suppose he was twenty one, Mike? Twenty two? Twenty one. I I know I have no idea of how he died. I I can imagine all kinds of things. I hope it wasn't from loneliness, because that can happen or drive you to do. Uh, so, you need friends. You need companionship. You need small groups. It's one reason why I applaud uh, people that start a book club in the church. You have no friends, start a book club. You don't read, listen to it on tape, whatever. Uh, But that helps people to connect. It is important that we connect. We have uh, after church club for Sunday evenings. People go out and they invite others to, hey, we're going to go to, for us, we go to Culver's. And we see there's another Culver's, club there and it's several and sometimes there are three clubs of us where we go and we sit and we visit and it's a time of discipleship and a time of prayer and just get to know one another because we need companionship the birthday breakfast for the ladies the senior luncheons for the our senior citizens our wednesday evening services where we're small and and then now in the future, we're going to break up again into smaller groups and, and then come back. and But uh, we need that. We need companionship. Two, we need compassion. Verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. It, we need compassion. We need to ask for compassion. Hey, w- will you... Could you do this for me? You know, sometimes it's easier for us to do something for somebody else than to ask uh, to have somebody else to do it for us. And there we just, we don't want to, we don't want to need help. Paul says, hey, I need my cloak. I need my books. I need my parchments. Can you bring them to me? If you have some needs, ask somebody. Share it with them. Say, I've I've got this need. Because that's what we need. We need compassion. We need to ask for compassion. We need to look around and see whom we can help. Ask for help. Look to help as well. Um, In old times, I I know uh, I was reading about an English Bible translator, William Tyndale, who translated the Bible, into English so other people could read it. But he was thrown in prison because he was printing Bibles. And uh, while he was in prison, he wrote a letter to the, he was in a dungeon of a castle, he wrote a letter to the governor of the castle asking that he might get some of his things back. And say, I, I, my head is, is freezing, the cold affects me. Could I have my hat? Could I have my jacket? Could I have my blankets, all things that were taken from him. But we need to have compassion and, and look around and see people that won't ask us and say, do you, do you, need, do you have a need? And maybe not just, if you've noticed something, uh, hey, can I help you out? Can I babysit your kids? Can I, whatever it might be, look around. We need uh, companionship, we need compassion, we need courage. Verse 13, uh, where was he going to get courage? Verse 13, the cloak is going to give him warmth, but here's where he's going to get courage, besides with the companionship. Uh, bring with thee the books, but especially the parchments. What is he uh, asking about? He uh He needs courage because he's going to die. And when we, the older we get, the more courage we need because the closer to the time when we're going to die. Although you can be twenty-one years old and die, as Ethan did, we need courage. Where is it going to come? And when you face death, where is your courage going to come from? some of you are facing death that that you can see all of us are facing death but short term you know i was thinking of those that uh, are called into active military duty they're living where there can be death at any time Um, i i only know of greg ranweiler who uh, you died for about 15 minutes so he's already been there he has nothing to worry about uh but uh, we, where are we going to get our courage from? The Word of God, books and parchments. Now the books were probably made out of papyrus, and they, they were where what he wrote the letters on, but it was the parchments written on leather, which were portions of the Old Testament, and so that's Paul said, especially the parchments, especially the parchments, especially the Word of God. I need that encouragement from. Uh, Opening, that courage or encouragement that comes from God's word. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, that's courage. And that was a quote from Psalm 27. We, lastly, we need Christ. Verses 17 and 18. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Oh, isn't that good? The Lord stood with me. Everything I'm going through, but the Lord stood with me. I feel all alone. Nobody's here. Everybody's forsaken me. Only, verse 11, only Luke is with me. But nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. Uh, his friends deserted him. Alexander the coppersmith opposed him. And Paul appears to be alone yet not alone. And this is the song that Johnny Erickson Tada made famous and uh, she said she couldn't make it here this morning to sing uh, so she would just send us the song and clip. Let's, let's listen as she reads, sings this.
1: We are the ones who run to you when we are weak and uh, you know this body, you form this body. This is a quadriplegic body that is broken, my lungs are limited, but there's this fine balance between presenting to you all of my weakness and thinking that it can't be done. I don't wanna think that it can't be done. And so, Father, I pray that you will uh, mitigate any crackiness in my voice, um, any age in my voice, any tiredness in my voice, and please give me your strength. Uh, These words talk about, in your strength, I find my own. And so uh, make that my prayer. I make that my prayer, Lord God. I'm alone, yet not alone. God's the light that will guide me home. With his love and ten- His love is now revealed When my steps are lost And desperate fall
0: I could hear those words come from Paul's mouth as he wrote 2 Timothy chapter 4. Yet through all of this, the Lord stood with me. He will stand by his children, but if, you're not, if you've not placed your faith in him, then he is not your good shepherd. He desires to be. And this morning could be the time that you get that settled. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you promise you'll never leave us alone. That you've given us the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And that you have promised that that you will remain with us until the end of the age. So we thank you for that. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You stood with Paul You will stand with your children. You will stand with us. When we feel lonely, you are there. When we feel alone, we are not alone. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.